From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. It's a beautiful Friday morning and getting ready for the weekend. Matt wanted to kind of talk about what we've done since last Tuesday. We actually watched a semi-playoff win by the Grizzlies. Not right. quite. I don't know if you can call it a playoff win, but it's uh, it's it's a play-in win. Play-in win, yes, exactly. <laughs> so we had the opportunity to take uh, you know our sons, Bo and Wilson, are good friends, and uh, we thought we'd take them to see the Grizzlies and uh, had a great time uh, there on Wednesday night. They won that game and they play actually tonight against the Warriors. Um, probably going to pick a Steph Curry win. Uh, if the NBA would have their their ways about it, um, but you know, good luck to the Grizzlies. But uh, you know, Derek, forty uh, percent capacity, crowd was good. We we really enjoyed. Oh, the, game. Yeah, the last four minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say it felt like uh, you know, 2012 Grizzlies with Gasol and Ta and and Zebo, but it was uh, pretty exciting. Again, it wasn't you know, it was half as loud, but I mean, it was a I mean, it was a good noise uh, and just a lot of towel waving and you know, still a young team. I uh, don't know quite what they'll you know, they they need one or two more pieces to really you know get into that middle level of the West, but uh, just a really good night. We, you know, if they win tonight, they get two more playoff games, and I hope people get a chance to experience, if not this year, the next year. Absolutely. And, again, I was uh, glad to see it at 40% capacity. Uh, we, you and I joked the entire night about uh, having to wear masks and, and stuff like that. Uh, I just sat there and ate or drank something the entire night so I could take my mask off, really. But it, you could tell the Mississippi people because we, we were like, wait, what do you mean you have to wear a mask? So it was, but, again, wonderful weather. Uh, should be good weather this weekend. Perfect time to get out and look around at houses, look around at some of the new housing. Derek's going to talk about some of the new housing projects, some of the new phases coming up shortly in the Alderman meeting. And if you're looking for real estate right now to buy or sell, please reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor. That's Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch is the number one real estate team for well over a decade here in DeSoto County, possessing over 25,000 closings since 2009. They are ranked nationally as a top performing real estate team. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are always available for you. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. That is a free, no-obligation market analysis for your home. Learn about the value of your home, what's going on in your neighborhood, what's going on within a mile radius of your houses, what numbers people are listing for, closing for, all the different kind of comps. Brian and Terry and their team can share all that information with you. You can call Brian and Terry at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Thank you, Brian and Terry, for being our 2021 presenting sponsor. One of those next phases that Derek will be talking about from the Alderman meeting this past Tuesday happens right past Memphis Street, Derek. Right, That's right. On, on That's Memphis Street, right past the How to Barbecue Right Shop. How to Barbecue Right Shop is our studio sponsor for 2021. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics on Memphis Street, right here in Hernando. This store has everything a man needs for crawfish, barbecue, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's really cool high-end smokers, rubs, sauces, knives, cutting boards, cast iron, thermometers, you name it, Malcolm Shop has it. You can give them a call at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. But the best thing to do is to stop at the How to Barbecue Right Shop located right past Connection Gymnastics on Memphis Street here in Hernando. Thank you again to Rochelle and Malcolm for being our 2021 studio sponsor. Well, Derek, something else we did since our last show aired, well, our last official show with me and you, uh, had, had the great uh, pleasure of having a special show uh, released on Wednesday with the Lady Tigers, the Hernando High School Lady Tigers softball team, the 6A state champs. And we'll talk more about that here shortly, but just a great response uh, when it comes to that show. But had our monthly crew meeting, crew of Hernando meeting last night, good group of guys, sat down, uh, worked on some different things, uh, got a great announcement coming up here just a few minutes on the show, um, but just really good stuff coming out of the crew uh, a big big thing coming up in the next six or about six seven weeks right about seven eight weeks actually right yeah, yeah so seven eight weeks out something that we're going to be working with again we'll talk about it in about 15 minutes uh, here on this show uh, but it's going to be something that benefits the teachers which i know most of our podcast listeners uh, have kids in school or, or or certainly had kids in school and care about the hernando teachers and what's going on in the hernando area so this is a really a big big opportunity for the hernando teachers coming up 
But before we get to that, Derek, let's turn our attention to the Hernando Alderman meeting, which happened this past Tuesday. You and I spoke off air, obviously, numerous times uh, since our last show. Over a two-hour-long meeting. Yeah, 2.24. <laughs> yeah, t- two hours, 24-minute uh, meeting uh, that took place this past Tuesday. Get us up to speed on Tuesday night's Alderman meeting. The, they did add one thing to the agenda, and they took one thing off. Uh, the one thing that they added was um, they did recognize the girls' softball team. They recognized them, could not see in the crowd. Uh, obviously, I did not make it Tuesday night to the actual meeting, watched it online. So you could not pan to the crowd to see you know, who was actually from there, whether it was just the coach, whether it was some of the players, but they did recognize them. I wish they would have brought them up there. They didn't bring them up for a pitch or anything. I wish they'd have done that. Uh, that was not done, but they were recognized. It was you know, obviously a last-minute <laughs> addition to the agenda since the agenda comes out uh, on Fridays. But uh, just a, a great thing, and, and uh, so uh, you know, another reason for them to be recognized. So, but the first thing they did take care of was the audit. Um, the, they finally got the 2019 audit. It was finally brought before the board. CPA was there, kind of going over everything. Not really many discussion. I do kind of want to touch on the things that he mentioned, uh, that the fund balance, so the kind of what they would call the general fund at the time of the closing of the books for 2019, the fund balance was 1345000 That was up from about 700000 the year before. So they had more money in the account uh, ending the year. Is this going to be 12 31 19? This that is going to be September 30th, 19. September 30th of 19. That was the balance. Okay, got it. Yeah. So, and then uh, property taxes from 18 to 19 were up $5 million. So, I mean, and that's because if you remember, there was about a, there was a tax increase done in 2018. So that obviously helped. Uh, the public safety and spending was up $2 million. So, you know, the property taxes uh, were up about three, uh, four to five million. And then the safety spending went up two million. So they did put them some, you know, most of that money into police, fire, EMTs, that sort of thing. Uh, there were no internal control issues, so they were very happy. Everything seemed to be, you know, above board. Um, and the auditor, you know, there was a question um, about why did it take so long? <laughs> and the auditor says that they did apologize. Now, I'm not saying some of it wasn't on the city. There may have been some stuff. There may have been information lacking that they weren't getting. But the auditor did mention that they do 23 other entities, uh, government entities. You know, most of those are counties. They do do a few other municipalities like Hernando. And so based on the work plus the delay with COVID, it did cost them some time. Now, obviously, uh, South Haven was able to do theirs in time last year. Uh, and in this year, of course, they've already done 2020, which was actually early. They got it approved in April. So, they, you know, I don't know who does theirs, but it, it, this guy did not mention doing theirs. So it must be a different firm. So maybe they were slowed. And then the last thing he mentioned was sales tax. Sales tax from 18 to 19 was also up $300,000. So, again, very little discussion. Everybody seemed to be pleased with it. Obviously, you would have liked to have had it sooner. Uh, we hope that the 2020 audit would be done in the next couple months, uh, but it is now on the books. It is officially approved and you know, w- without really any, uh, any discussion other than what was mentioned. Sounds like a normal audit for a municipality. Again, the only concern was the delay, but that's over and in the past and we're moving forward. So 2020 you know, should be done fairly soon and then we can be uh, up to date on our audits, which I know that was something that came up during the election. So uh, that's a good thing that the city would be up on its audits, which allows us to apply for more grants and do stuff like that. So good job for uh, getting that finished. All right, next, uh, we're going to move to, I guess, four different uh, subdivisions that were discussed during the planning part uh, of the meeting. The first is Copper Leaf uh, at Arbor Point. This is the one that you mentioned, just north of How to Barbecue Right Shop, Malcolm Shop, right there on Memphis Street. Now, Matt, this discussion lasted one hour and five minutes. So it's a one, you know, two hour, 24 minute meeting. This was almost half the meeting for this one uh, neighborhood. I'm not going to spend that much time on it. Wouldn't this have been better to to last exactly 55 minutes? Wouldn't that have been better? That been, uh, yes, that would have <laughs> been better. Uh, and I, I was hoping, let me tell you, when it got to the 55th minute, I wish it would have stopped. I understand. There, there was another 10 minutes. Uh, phase two, 43 lots of copper relief at Arbor Point, uh, including two common open areas. This is what was you know kind of being discussed, looking to be approved for the final plat. Uh, these are 10,000 to 23,000 square foot lots and with 1,800 square foot minimum houses. That's what they were asking for. Now, the thing that was a lot of the concern of the aldermen was this originally was a 55 and over community section of this neighborhood. There's two sections. There's, a, there's the Copper Leaf and then the regular Arbor's Point. Uh, the Copper Leaf is supposed to be 55 and older. Uh, the, and then the other, so basically two phases of 55 and over and two phases of, you know, anybody can buy it. They were trying, I'm not saying they're high. Let me, how am I going to say this? They tried to get this approved without the 55 and over caveat on there. Um, that's how it was presented to the planning commission on May 11th. 
the planning of, of com- this year of this year, of this year yeah right. so so uh 10 days ago right sure um the planning commission called it they did approve the you know, the planning commission did approve for recommending to the alderman by six to two vote but they did have it putting the over 55 back into the covenants for this final plot to be approved alderman uh asked about you know, stop signs that had not been put up. They asked about speed limit signs that had not been put up. So there was concern there. And while those hadn't been done, especially for the, the sections that were finished. Uh, and then they turned to the, the main part of the discussion, which was flooding issues that have happened on three of the lots in the first phase of the subdivision. So there have been uh, the Alderman Ford 6. Which and and is, there's, there's existing homes there already. Right. Yeah, these right. are existing homes, first phase. People's backyards are basically flooding. And they're like, you know, this is based on why was this elevation done so poorly? How does people have flooding in their yards when this neighborhood is not over two, you know, not even two years old? How was it, you know, how do we know this next phase is not going to happen the same thing? There was a lot of questions and not, not only questioning the developer, but also questioning the city engineer right. about how this could happen. What are the city protocols? And so the, you know, the developer, of course, is blaming the builders. Well, we get the, everything ready and then we may sell the lots off. And if we sell the lots off and they raise their lot up or people decide to do their backyards this way, we can't help that. Well, there needs to be, I guess the alderman is saying, there needs to be some accountability as to, you know, we need to have another, maybe another city engineer, maybe another engineer hired that not only checks it beforehand, not only checks the plans, not only approves it to be a final plat, like they're doing, trying to do on Tuesday night, but maybe somebody after the fact, maybe as the house is being built, are we still keeping things to grade? All that kind of stuff. There was a, a big, long discussion about that. And so there was... So a, real, real quick, yes, it was a long discussion, but is it, it is a discussion that's valid. No, a very valid discussion. Right. And obviously... Because people, I can assure you those three houses that those people in those lots that are, that are flooding they paid the same money as if it was the driest lot in the, in the entire development. Right. So and for those uh, citizens, that matters. And the alderman of Ward 6 and the mayor have been receiving phone calls, which right. is why he brought it up and right. he's doing what he's supposed to do. There was a long discussion on those issues. So they started talking about, okay, well, you know, a lot of this has to, I think it borders the southern border of the property. That's where these houses are. And so they're like, well, can we dig it out? Can we make it? Well, they, you know, and, and help with the, maybe run the water off better and that sort of thing. Well, they can't because it literally is bumping up on, on the property line to the person to the south that owns that property. You'd have to get their permission to do that. I don't know if they'd give the permission to do that, or you may even have to have their help with that. So that might not be uh, an option. And so, you know, just a lot of stuff. We're trying to figure all that out. They were going to, it looked like at one point they were going to deny this or not deny maybe to table it. Um, and so the developer stood up, he said, look, I've got, you've got $400,000. I've got bonded in the subdivision. Now, for those of y'all that are listening, every time a phase is completed, the city takes a bond. Um, and sometimes they have to get a, a letter of credit from the bank basically to say, okay, yes, I'm going to come back and put in the signs, put in the final asphalt and all that kind of stuff. And so it's anywhere from, I mean, I guess a typical one would be a hundred or $200,000. And this is just to say, you know, so if for some reason the developer tries to split and run, doesn't add the extra layer of asphalt or whatever, that the city can then call the bond, either it's a cash bond that they've put up, and in this case it was a cash bond that he put up, and they just, you know, cash it in and, and use the money to do it themselves. Or it, it, It's a way for municipalities and, and, and different entities to make developers have more skin in the game if they skip town or if they, if they walk out or if they don't finish what they're supposed to do, the city gets $400,000. What, or, right, because right. they have to go in right, there and exactly. do the asphalt themselves. Exactly. So he said, "I've got all, you've got four hundred thousand dollars of my money tied up in right. case I, you know, and so we can use some of that to take care of this." Okay. Because I mean, we're getting close to the end of the subdivision. It's not quite the end of the subdivision, but we're getting close to that. So that was one thing. And then he also said, "He said, look, I've already got two million dollars tied up in this next phase. You know, I've got two million dollars. I got a loan out there. Uh, I've got to get these. You've got to, you know, please don't hold up this approval. Please don't wait me, make me wait another month just because of three lots flooding. Because you know, I've got this money tied up. I'm paying interest on this, and you know, I need to start selling these lots. So, and they under the aldermen were underst- understood that that he did have a lot of money in there. It wasn't like he was trying to do something wrong, but there obviously were issues. Uh, again, back and forth, and then the then that's about this time is when they said, hey, look. All right. At some point, this will be turned over to the HOA, and then becomes an HOA problem, right? There's a there's a little confusion in there. There's two HOAs. There's an HOA for the over 55, and then there's an, a master HOA for the whole subdivision, which includes the other houses plus those over 55. So it's like, okay, well, whose name is this going to be in, and which HOA will this be turned over to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a lot of stuff that I had to clean up. They finally came to some type of agreement. They did approve it with the over five added in there. 
Uh, and so, uh, and it was approved unanimously, and it looks like now that the uh, phase two of Copperleaf Arbor Point has been finally approved. They can't start building, selling lots in there, but it will have the over 55 caveat. My wife showed me something uh, posted to Hernando Habit. It's kind of a long type out uh, little thing from a lady uh, last night who said that she was contacted by the developer. Uh, she was contacted by the developer on Wednesday after the meeting, kind of having to withdraw that contract or withdraw that thing because she's not over 55. And she was pretty upset about that. But, Derek, this this is what he was approved to do four or five years ago. No, and the alderman brought that up. Right. He said, look, man. This is not an alderman situation. They did not accuse him of trying to slip it in. Right. But it's like this is why we approved the subdivision. Correct. Uh, to give these people options to help our, our older community. I mean, now the average age of Hernando is still 37. But, you know, we do have an aging community. We do have people moving here to retire. Sure. and wanted to give them options. So, I feel for her, and I understand it may be kind of frustrating, especially with the lack of houses on the market. But this is, it should never she should never have had a contract on in the first place because they should have never right. taken that out. It shouldn't have been offered right. until this was done. Right. So yeah, I, I agree with you, and that's I read it twice, and I kind of agree with you there because the particular lot that she was gonna you know interested in should not have been offered to a 35-year-old or 45-year-old, whatever. It's 55. That's the way the Ottomans saw it. You know, a lot of people are moving to 55 and up uh, communities. When they move, their house becomes available. It's a whole cycle of different stuff. Or, well, or and there's a reason people buy those houses that, you know, they don't want a lot of kids in their streets. They, yes. they don't want. They don't like a lot of noise. They they want it quiet. They want it neat. And that's what they're, that's what they're buying. That's the selling point. And uh, so, no, I'm, I, I, again, I feel for her, but it was the right move because it should never have been offered in the first place. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to another phase, next phase, maybe a little bit less talk about the next one. They seem to go a little faster. What you it, got? it was a little faster. This was the second longest one, though. Okay. Um, this is the Jefferson Estate. The Jefferson Estate, Section D, 21 residential lots and one common open space. Jefferson, Jefferson Estate is on Holly Springs Road, past the big turn at Walmart, yes. going, as you leave town. As you leave on town the right on the side. south side. Yes. Okay. This is uh, kind of coming. I mean, the, the city goes all the way to Getwell Road, but this is the last major subdivision before you get to get well road uh, on the south side um, again one common area so these the lots were 12,500 to 58,000 square foot lots but most of them being between the 13,000 1600 square foot range the house minimums in Jefferson Estates is 2,000 square feet so those are, have gone along with all the houses that are cur currently in there um, it was unanimously approved by the Planning Commission so it seemed like okay it was pretty good everything's going along so well then when they you know Went to discussion, the main thing the aldermen were talking about didn't really have to do with this phase, but it was questions that have been out there lingering now for years. And that is, you know, the stub out part of this development uh, or part of this final plat for this phase stubs out to the south of the property. There's a road that basically goes heading toward the south, the southern border of the property, and it just stops. It stubs out. And the question is, is that sometime in the future, it's going to go south to the St. Ives subdivision just south of that. So, again, St. Ives is going to come north. Uh, Jefferson Estates is going to come south. They're going to join, have a common road that, you know, emergency vehicles can use either subdivision. If they had to go to the backside of either one of the subdivisions they could use. They were wondering, there's a creek that separates that. And they said, okay, well, is this going to, you know, what's the discussion on the bridge or the, the box culvert over this creek? And then the planning, the, the person presenting it, which is, of course, a, a substitute planning commissioner that we have right now, he was like, well, that's not on this property. That's actually part of the St. Ives property. But they kept bringing it up, can't have a discussion. And, you know, he said, I understand there may need to be an agreement because that's going to be expensive uh, and it will be uh, helping both neighborhoods. But again, that's on the St. Ives property. It's not on the Jefferson Estates property. And so this cannot be we shouldn't really be discussing this right sure, now of course because it's not part of this what's being requested but there was a lot of discussion on that and not and then i think the developer um who was rob Reiner, he was there and he said hey look there's actually another individual that owns some land in there too so i don't know what's going to happen with that in the future again it does not affect this phase uh there were no issues with the planning commit com, uh, the planning commission with this phase and so after kind of a long way about talking about this you know there will be have to you know, something will have to happen, but it's going to be a while because St. Ives is still developing eastward. It's not even coming northward yet, uh, and you know, so it may be a three, four, five year discussion when this has to happen. But I think they, I don't know if they were trying to get it on the record just to kind of remind people, or you know, trying to show that hey, we have not forgotten this. This is going to be an issue going forward. But finally, they put it to vote and it was approved unanimously. Good job by the planning commission guy saying, hey, I hear what you're saying, but it does not – what we're talking about does not matter on what we're talking about. So, uh, like you said, kind of moving on, let's get this done. So that got approved and, and you know, more houses to come. 
All right, the next one is not a final plat. This was the request to rezone 54.13 acres of track of land on the southwest corner of Holly Springs and Getwell Road. Now, again, this came, this was kind of related because this property borders St. Ives to the east. So this goes basically from the rest of the St. Ives property to Getwell Road. And this 54 acres right there, they were asking for it to be an R12 single family residential neighborhood so not not a PUD but an R, just a regular R12 put in roads you know no master plan no covenants I mean you know that sort of thing kind of a more rural subdivision with less city rules uh, well, it has to be city rules because it's in the city yeah, but the city. but not not as strict as a, as right, a, a PUD saying, yes. on the development and that sort of thing yes well when it went to the planning commission the planning commission kind of looked at it and they said you know what this probably would be better as a PUD we feel more comfortable if you would uh, agreed to make this a PUD, and the developer did. The developer did say, you know what, we probably could get more benefit out of it. if it was a PUD. Then yes, we will we will amend that to. Uh, you know, we have no hangups with it. You know, if you're if you're saying you're going to approve it as a PUD, then we'll agree to that. So the planning commission had approved it unanimously as a PUD uh, for the rezoning. Now remember, this is not a plat. We're not talking about plans. We're not talking about what the streets look like yet. This is just taking it from agriculture. Sure. To a, a, a PUD. Now the, now the developer can go to work with his engineers, his architects, and so forth, and start to develop a use for that 54 acres. So, again, it was still submitted as an R12 because, you know, they had, there's not been a, um, a meeting between the planning commission. But, it, but the, uh, the guy that was standing in, the, the, I guess, interim planning commissioner, he did say, hey, they approved it as a PUD. It's being presented as an R12, but I think we should also, you know, if you're going to look to approve it, I think you should approve it as a PUD. They had some discussion on it, you know, the, the benefits of it. And so after, um, you know, other than, okay, how is this going to tie into St. Ives? You know, will it at some point? Yes, it will. But, again, that's years down the road. Um, they put it to a vote, and it was approved unanimously as a PUD. The fill-in planning director seems to be pretty straightforward and, and, and pro, I won't say pro-growth necessarily, but, well, gentlemen and ladies, here's what I'm presenting. Here it is. And he doesn't seem to be standing in the way of anything, doing a good job. No, he's from Olive Branch. And it's, it's you know, a lot of times, you know, they're very formal and they're reading out the whole thing and they're getting all the stuff. And he's more of a, he does a little more laid back. Yeah. He says, you know, this is it. This is the changes that were made. This is my recommendation. And I mean, just very simple. And uh, I kind of like the guy. Kind of watch him on there. He's, I mean, he's an older guy, but just you know, just kind of chill about it. Well, and he's he, he's definitely seen a lot of growth in Olive Branch for sure. So I mean, that's what you want your, from your director. Hey, you do the job of looking at things. You bring us to the board. Uh, you know, your recommendation, and and that's the way it's. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be as a director of anything. All right, the final uh, subdivision uh, that was uh, looking for another final plat approval. So we're back to to plat approvals. Was Magnolia Commons Phase Four, and this would be thirty six residential lots. Now, this was actually tabled since February. In February, they had brought this, and it was tabled because when they went to look at it, this is the developer, when this is Johnny Coleman is the developer. Um, he was the builder, and then he ended up buying the rest of the lots, or the rest of the land from uh, a bank that went back when the things were going bad. So he's, he's held this for several years. And so this is the final phase. This is the last phase. So they're wrapping up the subdivision, these last 36 lots. And so when they went to, you know, when they were bringing it last time in February, he realized, wait a minute, you know, based on other stuff that's happened, based on changes we had to make to other lots because of the way the topography went, there's a, we're going to actually lose a couple of lots. So he had to kind of redraw it. So they had to table it. The planning commission had already approved it back in February. But then he realized, well, I might, these two lots will be unsellable. Let me kind of reconfigure this. So he brought it back, uh, finally brought it back to the Board of Aldermen. Uh, still had the Planning Commission's approval, uh, but brought it back to the uh, Board of Aldermen. Talked about the common areas being finished. He did mention this is another one that uh, an alderman brought up. Hey, what about the stop signs that had been missing? Those, uh, the, the stop signs and the street signs, well, he said, and this is Johnny Coleman was actually there himself. And he, was, uh, he came up, he said, look, we got the phone calls about that, and we've already, we, I replaced them today. So he replaced them that morning. They're out there. Uh, stop signs were replaced. Matt, people just straight up stealing street signs. <laughs> I, they, I, he said this is the third time he's replaced them. Wow. Uh, just straight up stealing street, street signs. He, he replaced them. So that, those have been done. There are 1,600 square foot minimums uh, in this house. But he did mention, he said, look, yes, th these are smaller houses. It's the smallest house that can be built in Hernando with 1,600 square feet. He said, but all the ones I'm doing in phase four will be 2,000 square feet. He said, because I'm getting $135 to $140 a foot. Absolutely. He was very honest about the market and saying, hey, it benefits me to build an extra square foot. Well, yeah, I mean, you finish out a bonus room or do yep. whatever. And uh, now there was a mention, you know, the, this subdivision does have front-loading garages. There was a mention, he said, yes, these will have front-loading garages because it was approved that way. Right, sure. Now, we do understand that the, the side loads are more desirable. 
However, you know, because of the width of the lot, there's there's no way we can right. come with a side with put a driveway in and that sort of thing. So the alderman understood that. And again, this is the final phase, so it's just matching what the other three phases already had. True. The only other issue that came up was, in, you know, do you have anything in this plat uh, restricting rental houses? And Matt, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other time. But you know, there's large corporations coming in and buying up packages of houses that include houses, rental houses in your, our neighborhood, both you know. I guess uh, entry level and you know mansion sure. neighborhoods uh, they're they're being for rental houses and this is not a, this is not always a good thing for a subdivision to have you know uh, people that are not living there uh, actually taking care of the property or people being out in California not really knowing what's going on in their properties so you know he's asked is there anything that can be restricted and and you know Johnny Coleman's like look this is just again the last phase. Uh, we have not restricted it. There's no way I can go put that in now. Um, you know, there is a good homeowners association in there, but nothing I can do sure. at this point. He said, now, all the subdivisions I have just now developing, we are putting that restriction in there. Yeah, that you makes cannot total have sense. Rentals. But, I mean, this was, again, started 10 years ago. There's, you know, there's no restriction for rental houses in there. Again, although Alderman approved it, I think they just wanted to have the discussion, which is fine. It went to a vote and approved unanimously. Like we mentioned on Tuesday, Derek, I think it – kind of totaled up to a little bit over 100 houses that we discuss. And, and Hernando is a booming town. When it comes to residential real estate, a booming town, people wanting to move to Hernando, uh, people wanting to uh, be part of the wonderful schools that we have. So, Mr. Coleman, actually my first home in DeSoto County was a Johnny Coleman home, mm-hmm. you know, almost 20 or roughly 20 years ago. So, uh, very familiar with him. And, and like you said, he I think he was very honest with the board and said, hey, board, I hear everything you're saying, but uh, this was approved and, and, and everything. So, you know, a lot of growth and, and interesting stuff. Anything else? Not, that's really everything else you know, we talked about. Of course, they approved the mayor to sign the Trustmark loan for that that's, that we talked about on Tuesday. Uh, and then they did hire uh, Brandy Johnson to be the elections for election services for the general election. So everything else is pretty much approved uh, as is no discussion. There are always good coverage of the Hernando Alderman meeting that you sit down and do. So we, we I know there are the, the thousands of listeners that we have with the podcast. They appreciate you watching the YouTube video so you don't, so they don't have to, yeah. especially a two-hour and 24-minute one. Uh, maybe you'll have some 30-minute uh, meetings coming up pretty soon. But great job reporting on that. Well, look, let's turn our attention north uh, to our north, City of South Haven, their Alderman meeting. Uh, a bit shorter, uh, but still uh, had a decent amount of stuff. So you trim that down to things that people might want to know about. What you got? All right, so the appointment of the collection commissioners, theirs is a little different issue than Hernando had. So that was the first thing that you know, kind of want to discuss on the agenda. They actually have to appoint three people, Matt, with an uh, election that's coming up on June the 8th. Uh, they were, I thought they had to find two, uh, but they actually had to find three because one of them said they couldn't do it. And so um, there was two names put up. It was uh, Tim Snyder and Kathy Colley were put up, uh, but they were not voted on because – they didn't have their names beforehand. And so, you know, the mayor was like, look, we need to make sure these people can be vetted. We need to make sure there's no issues with them. You know, have the other aldermen see if there's somebody they want to put up. Well, again, they're short on time. They did think that they would have time. You know, they do have a meeting on June 1st. So it's still a week before the, or, you know, a week before the election. And so they went ahead and said, all right, get us the names you can get. We need three names. If it's those two plus one more, that's fine. But we're going to have to do this over the next two weeks and vote on it on June 1st. So, Kind of cutting it close to because those have to be in place in order to have an election on June the 8th. So uh, we're kind of watching for that on the June 1st meeting. Uh, the next one uh, was a volleyball discussion. I'm going to save that for the end, Matt, because we want to kind of do that as a separate story. They did. We talked about that they were going to purchase a garbage truck. Now, I, I was a little, I guess, interested in that one. And, and maybe some of y'all may find this a little boring about why I'm talking about a garbage truck. But if you remember, you know, the city of South Haven, all cities pretty much contract that out. So why would they need to buy a garbage truck? Well, I think it was a very, very good reason. The reason they have a single garbage truck for the city themselves is for people that have, for older people and people that have disabilities. So if for some reason they can't get their trash to the curb on a certain day or they're having issues, the city actually has a truck that makes rounds on its own to help those people out, which I thought was pretty cool. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, so they were able to buy a truck. They had some money in the Public Works Fund to be able to buy the, a, this used, it was a used truck, a used garbage truck for $163,000. Uh, and it was approved. And again, I just want to make mention that they were doing that for that reason, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, it's good that the city's being frugal at one hundred sixty-three thousand dollars. <laughs> well, those trucks are pretty large. Oh, got, absolutely. That's a have the little lift that comes yeah. up the trash can. So I'm sure there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, intricate parts on that thing. Uh, next, we're moving to the planning agenda. On the planning agenda, not not nearly as long as you mentioned on the, of Hernando's. There were two that we wanted to look at. The first one was the application by R and W developers. Uh, to amend the DeSoto Central PUD to revise the existing eight, basically 7.95 acres on the commercial south side, changing it from commercial to the mixed use. 
uh, that was approved. So okay. it's going to look very. So what you showed me the other day, the the lower floor offices mm-hmm. with apartments on the top, right there behind. Uh, right there next to Jason Coleman's dental office, right, right there on Nell Road, just south of the of the huge Silo Square stuff. This PUD that was now this is, includes Deer Chase and includes the school. Right, sure. Right, this PUD was approved in the late nineties, uh, so it's been there a while. And but you know, this was just a regular commercial lot. They did change it, or they did allow the change to the uh, what, what you just described. It's going to be U shaped with a pool in the middle. So the ones that the two that were approved at Silo Square, what last month uh, that we talked about, um, actually, or maybe have been the, the first meeting this month. Exact, very, very similar. They look very similar and be very close to each other as well. Yeah, and so it's going to end up being 92 units. Uh, they're going to be sold as condos or lofts, uh, not apartments. They're going to be sure. condos or lofts. Uh, and it was recommended by the Planning Commission. And as, as I mentioned on Tuesday, usually when it, the Planning Commission approves it unanimously and usually when Whitney's on board with it, the aldermen don't really make, have much discussion or conversation. It was the same in this case, other than her explaining how many units was going to be that sort of thing, and it was approved unanimously. Yeah, when I'm, I'm have a str- I've never been to an Auburn meeting, but I have a feeling when Whitney talks, Whitney and her planning department do a pretty good job, thorough job of looking at those things and take a lot of recommendations. Again, that's what a planning director's for to do all that work before it gets to Alderman. Uh, you know, it's it's really neat. Uh, somebody was talking to me about this the other day, and they were just kind of chuckling. The word condo or loft sounds a lot better in apartment, so it sounds like this is kind of yeah. Well, it's just it's just a nicer apartment. Come on. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, but there will be some, you know, condo you actually, you know, purchase though. Correct. Yes. Off, you know, off yes. you could, you know, actually run out. But I mean, I think the majority of these will be a, a, a purchase scenario, but there will be some for rentals. The other planning item was the application by Robert Peltz to amend the DeSoto Park Plaza PUD on the north side of State Line Road, west of Airways. So this is where that Exxon station is at the northwest corner of Airways and State Line Road. It's going to be just north of that before you get to the State Line. Um, this was amended. It was originally supposed to be a mini storage. Right. That's how it was approved back in the 80s. It was for a mini storage. Uh, they have amended this now to, to allow for RV parking. So it's going to be an RV park. Uh, the Planning Commission thought that an RV park would be better than a mini storage, uh, and so that's kind of how Whitney presented it. There will be some buffer from um, Airways, so it will be set back into the property where the RVs were, so you're not going to, you know, it's not going be like there's an RV park 10 feet from you know airways as you head into Memphis so it's gonna be kind of set back have a you know some kind of signs and stuff out front uh, so you it won't be a direct sight line as you're driving by but it will be back there and you know again it's just off the main interstate there's a lot of people that are traveling now especially with the pandemic a lot of people basically turn their houses in for RVs and are traveling the nation so a good thing for the city uh, it will produce income with tap fees well and, let me uh, let me let me change the narrative on that one the future of RV parks for the next 10, 15, 20 years in the Mid-South, people that are parking at RV parks are parking there for three, six, a year long oh, yeah. for construction. Oh, okay. That's for construction. I had a, a, there's a young man from my hometown, got in touch with me. My mom got us together. Uh, he was wondering about where to uh, rent a house or look for something or whatever. Well, his first week on the job, all of his construction guys that he works with said, what are you doing? We, we, we pull our campers up here and we park here. And so he had, his parents have a camper uh, that, they're, that he's going to use, and he'll be in the area for the next year at an RV park. Yeah. So that's and you know that's the future of RV parks in this area is you can get ten, twelve, two year long terms, uh, you know rentals, uh, you know with those RVs and with those parking spots mm-hmm. for those construction guys from out of town. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot easier. What people used to do, they just get mobile homes. Oh sure. Uh, around yeah. industrial areas, you know, rent out mobile. That's why you see a lot of mobile home right. parks close to industrial areas. Uh, but that's a great point. So yeah. uh, anyway, it was approved. Again, not much discussion, approved unanimously. Well, and right there next to that, Derek, you're probably looking at another five to ten years of, of solid warehouse construction yeah, growth toward right there. That's so, right. I mean, that's that's what it's going to fill up with. It's going to be those construction guys. All right, and then we turn to the mayor's report. On uh, the mayor's report, just he just mentioned three things. First of all, he wanted to know that all water meters are now automated okay. in South Haven. So, you know how the guys in Hernando, they come kind of, they pull up your little thing, they'll check it. You know, you had, you know, this uses last time, this uses this time. That's how you kind of, well, now there's are automated actually have a, you know, hook to a computer and it tells you what their houses, you know, each house usage is in South Haven. The next one is that the sales tax for April was 375000 ahead of budget for the years. And they're on pace to shatter their all-time sales record this year. Again, during the pandemic. Pro- probably could have bought that new uh, garbage truck. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Got <laughs> probably could have spent the truck. extra 50 grand on the new the garbage truck. But even through the pandemic, now I'm, I'm sure some of this was helped by stimulus money that of people course. have been getting yes. every three to six months. But, uh, you know, that, so that, that was great news for South Haven. And then the last, uh, last thing he mentioned was the tourism tax. 
it's it was up 35,000 in April. Now again, not a tremendous number, but uh, it is a number, and it's also it's exceeded every month this year. So every month this year was higher than last year, which kind of obvious with the pandemic. People weren't baseball. Doing, baseball's back. Right. Soccer's back. People stay in the hotels. People are back to traveling. All those different things. So man, just quite impressive. And then the final thing, Matt, and I said this was talked about in the middle of the meeting, but it was the longest discussion, and again, something I wanted to double back to, is that the South Haven Arena that they have there has now been awarded a new volleyball contract. So the volleyball, uh, the DeSoto Legacy Volleyball had been running. Well, I actually had contracted out with the arena. They were having their, that's a competitive volleyball team. They were having their practices there. Uh, and they were also, as part of the agreement with the city, they were running the city rec league. They were paying the city $5,500 to do that. So they're paying $5,500. They were able to use the arena for their volleyball stuff. And of course, you know, when the city would contract stuff, they'd have to move out, change the floor out, put it back in. But they were the ones uh, having their volleyball teams practice there, as well as running the city's rec league for them. So, you know, that kind of took it off the, the parks commissioner there in South Haven. Well, they had to put it back up for bid. And the Memphis Volleyball Academy uh, came in and made their presentation and actually offered $7,000 more. They're now going to pay $12,500 a month for the use of the facility. Did you say a month? A month. Wow, yeah, 5500 okay. a month is what DeSoto Legacy was volleyball is paying. And now Memphis Volleyball Academy will pay $12,500 a month uh, for the use of the facility. Now, this is kind of a, a little, I don't want to say it's a shock, but you know, DeSoto Legacy has run it for several years. They've got a great brand of volleyball. Both of the guys are there. They kind of mentioned, hey, we've got this Hernando coach. We've got the Lewisburg coach. We've got the Center Hill coach. You know, they've got championships. DeSoto, DeSoto, uh, DeSoto Central coach just won a championship. They all coach for DeSoto Legacy Volleyball. All from the girls in, in the guy, uh, all from the girls. You know, good instruction. Uh, their competitive teams do well, and they're trying to make their case that you know this is what we can offer. But you know, again, this is a public entity. Memphis Volleyball is offering seven thousand dollars a month more. You can do the math: eighty-four thousand a year. And they're like, look, we understand it, um, you know, but they came in at a higher bid. It looks like, you know, they, they are tied in uh, with Nashville and other places. They can bring those type of tournaments to South Haven because DeSoto Legacy has has. I think they said they brought 34 tournaments in the last two years, even during the pandemic. That's another selling point. They were trying to say, this is why you should stick with us. Sure. But Memphis Volleyball says, you know, we contract with tournaments from Nashville, from all over the, the region. And so they voted, and they're going with Memphis Volleyball for a new contract. So, again, I, I'm sure that will accept some legacy people around here. But uh, Memphis Volleyball Academy will be running uh, the arena, will be having their practices there and running the rec league for South Haven uh, at least for the next year. Effective when? July, uh, July 1? That's a good question. I don't know if it's either July 1 or October 1 because, you know, right. how the municipality – it may be October 1, but it will be, you know, for the next fiscal year for the city. You know, Derek, money talks and BS walks, my friend. That's what it all came down to. I mean, $84,000 a year uh, in more revenue was, uh, was pretty tremendous, and the city of South Haven couldn't turn that down. So, uh, you know, very interesting. Again, you hate to see – something with the word DeSoto in the beginning title of it, uh, you know, not win out or not be part of something here uh, in this area, but, you know. And we've got several friends that play sure, Legacy Volleyball, sure. uh, so it would be interesting to see how that goes going forward. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So, good job by both the Hernando Alderman and City and the City of South Haven Alderman and Mayor uh, to, to move forward, uh, you know, doing the city business. You know, Derek, after a two-hour and 24-minute uh, Alderman meeting, you're probably looking for a vacation. Uh, I, I was. I absolutely was. <laughs> looking for a vacation. And if you're making summer plans right now, now's a perfect time to reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher with Magical Destinations of Fernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, the Gulf Coast, National Parks, or that tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. 
please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 662-429-5213. Again, 662-429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Are you in need of someone to cut your grass weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? Are you in need of someone to help you with spring cleaning on any of your outdoor area? Now's the time to call Richard and his team at Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Richard and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, spring cleanup, any type of need that you might have for your outdoor area, give Richard a call, let him come out, take a look, give you a price. He can do that today. His phone number is 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or reach out to Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Are you considering a schooling switch for next year? Would you like to learn more about DeSoto County's largest, oldest, most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school that serves students in grades PK through 12? North Point Christian School invites you to come visit them in South Haven and see why they were just voted DeSoto's best. The school is currently on pace to exceed enrollment expectations for 2021-2022. They are experiencing high interest and excellent attendance at their open house events. In fact, if you are interested, don't delay in calling because multiple grades are nearing possible capacity levels. Due to high demand, they keep adding additional open house events. They have their next Preview the Point event scheduled for prospective families this Sunday, May 23rd at 2 p.m. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting their Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, Sheila Sharon, 662-349-5127. And come find out why North Point is best. We're going to talk more about North Point. North Point Trojans are the only team, athletic team, still fighting hard there in the uh, baseball playoffs. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But we're going to turn our attention to our Friday, the Soto County shout-outs. The Soto County shout-outs, positive news, positive things, positive events happening in Hernando under the water tower and then DeSoto County at large. So, Derek, something coming up. Next month on the calendar is June, which in Hernando, everyone that has anything to do with Hernando knows that is the Sunset on the Square. Sunset on the Square every Thursday night will be the Sunset on the Square. It is back this year. Hernando Chamber of Commerce uh, you know, pulling that off again this year. Uh, so many of us missed it la- last year and really, really looking forward to this coming up uh, every Thursday during the month of June right there at the Hernando Courthouse. That's right. It starts at 7 o'clock, 7 to 9 each Thursday night. Uh, they have plenty of flyers around town. We will announce the groups playing uh, each week, so the Tuesday before the Thursday starting, uh, I guess that will be June 1st. Uh, we will start kind of let you know when we, you know, those not typically the days we do our shout-outs, but we will let you know who the group will be playing that Thursday night since uh, our next show wouldn't be till Friday morning. Uh, anyway, so again, Matt, really looking forward to those. Always a good time. Uh, usually, even if it's hot, you know, it's cool down by 7 o'clock. Bring your lawn chairs, bring your cooler, sit out and just have a couple hours. Just a very unique thing our city does and uh, something that, you know, missed last year and looking forward to it this year. Do you think I'm going to be able to get you out to some sunset on the squares? I'll probably make a couple. Make a, make, what, make a couple? I'll make a couple. That's it? I mean, it does say sunset on the square. You typically don't go to bed at 930. Come on now. Let's go. Let's let's get it done. <laughs> so I can, I can do that you straight, can, straight you know, home, yes. yeah. walk the dog in the bed. Well, that's fine. You yeah. do whatever you do want to do when you get home. I don't care. But I'm just saying you need to come out, support the sunset on the square. No, I, mean, I, I usually make at least one. Uh, I try to make two. And the only thing is, is that I know that the last Thursday I'll be out of town. Uh, gotcha. I know there's a lot of vacations going on too, but again, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm just glad it's back. I got you. Hey, if I scheduled a 5k every Thursday night <laughs> around the square, <laughs> around the square, that, that might would help you enti- entice you a little maybe, bit. Maybe. You could run 20 minutes in, you're done and you can enjoy the music from there. Hey, great job by the chamber of commerce, bringing back the sunset on the square every Thursday, this coming up, Gene, DeSoto arts council seems to always be on our, uh, our DeSoto County shout outs. DeSoto arts council, June 4th will be having their monthly back porch, uh, celebration. Celebration, back yeah, porch. So first Friday night of every month. First Friday night of every month. Sit down on the back porch there at the Soto Arts Council. Cute little quaint 
former courthouse, uh, white building, mm-hmm. uh, City Hall, former, city, 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 former hall. city Hall here in Hernando, right there on uh, 51. Friday night, June 4th, back porch. Derek, something exciting there uh, early on that night. Me or you, whoever's uh, available, will be presenting our donation to the DeSoto Arts Council from our first our inaugural water tower sessions that happened last Friday. Uh, we were able to uh, to give them a donation. Very excited about that. Thank you to all those people that came out and uh, supported us last Friday. Um, we won't, we'll tease a little bit, Derek. Got some really exciting news coming up about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Date uh, also not about, about eight weeks away. Right. So let's. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to tease here. I tell you, you can't give them. You can't, can't. Between eight and eighteen weeks away. Yeah, exactly. We don't know exactly <laughs> when that is, but uh, no. I had somebody literally at the gas pump the other day mention to me, uh, we're, "When's the next one?" We're, we're so excited about it. It was such a fun time. So we do have information about that coming up. We're going to tease that a little bit. But uh, the first one was so successful, so well attended, enjoyed by so many people uh, that we're going to keep rolling with that. Water Tower Sessions, our second event, will be coming up pretty soon. More information to come. Our next up uh, shout out Saturday, June nineteenth. Uh, the Hernando Parks and Rec Department will be putting on a movie, a movie night there at Renaissance Park. The, Derek, they actually won an award for last year's, uh, you know, event. Uh, put that together. Saturday, June 19th, they will be showing Aladdin. Aladdin. Aladdin, Saturday, June 19th, take your family out, uh, you know, raise the back of, uh, you know, where you got a tailgate or, or set up lawn chairs right outside uh, your, your car there. Kind of do it like you did it with the old fashioned, you know, the, it's the old, old drive. Back when we used to social distance. Well, that <laughs> and also, but it's kind of treated like a drive through. Drive through. It's kind of treated like a drive in, a drive in movie. And uh, so it's kind of picture that. Uh, very well received last year at Renaissance Park. And again, as you said, the state awarded uh, the Parks Department with an award for that event. So a great time. And, you know, you pray for good weather. But assuming good weather, it, you know, just come. Again, you bring what you want to bring, park your car, and just have a couple great hours with the family. Absolutely. Saturday, June 19th, Aladdin, put on by the Hernando Parks and Rec Department. Good job by them, uh, giving the family something to do in the summer. But we'll continue to announce that as part of our shout-outs each each Thursday. Derek, our last shout-out, we're going to start to tease it a little bit. We're going to start to talk about it as it gets closer and closer. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you and I are uh, members of the crew of Fernando, uh, founding members of the crew of Fernando. And we had our meeting last night. Derek, for years, the crew of Fernando would sell Ralph tickets uh, basically May through August would sell raffle tickets for a green egg and a Yeti cooler so a green egg Yeti Yeti cooler uh, and and so that you know that's kind of run its course uh, but we were able to raise money for we've we, we tallied it up last night we've given out over, we've awarded over a hundred grants and we've given out over fifty thousand dollars strictly to Hernando teachers that's right the DeSoto Economic Council uh, takes all these different teacher grants from all across the county. Uh, they they put them all together, and we get our hands on the on the Hernando teachers. We That's get right. our hands on those. So sometimes we get 30, 35, 40 grants, and it, and we've been able to fund 12, 15, 18 in a given year to where those are funded, and then the rest go back into the pot, and they're – have a better shot of getting uh, funded throughout the entire county. So it's been an amazing thing that we have been able to put together all by the city of Hernando, um, you know, supporting us and buying those tickets and everything like that. But with the pandemic, it has made us kind of shift gears a little, gears a little bit. What do we want to do? Something a bit different. We've talked about it for years and this year will be our inaugural tee off for teachers Thursday, July 15th, Thursday, July 15th, we'll be at the Hernando Golf and Racquet Club. Uh, it'll be uh, more information to come from this show. Pay attention to that. Certainly our website and, and all that information to come. But it's going to be an awesome event. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Derek, I might say it may be the most fun day of the summer at the Country Club. I would say yes. <laughs> if we have something to do with it, it will well, be. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be great. Uh, they're gonna, we're going to limit it to 20 teams. Right. Uh, so when this goes out, and this is going to sell out fast, we're going to have 20 teams. Uh, as you said, more information coming. But it's going to be you know, basically 12 until. So 20 teams. Uh, the, uh, the shotgun start off start at 12. You know, when you're done, you know, hang out there. You, you know, we're going to have uh, prizes. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to have, um, obviously, there'll be, you know, there'll be, drinks and stuff included as part of your uh, team membership. Uh, but just uh, done a great job. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Chris Ware. Yeah, Chris, Chris Ware. Ware is uh, basically being the chair for this for our, our, our group and really looking forward to uh, the first event. Uh, you know, we'll start, uh, you'll start seeing the artwork and flyers sometime around the 1st of June, uh, and then we'll start taking those team names. So, again, let's go ahead and start getting your team together. Uh, again, there will only be 20 teams, and uh, looking forward to just a, a you know eight weeks from now and just a great event. Right. We've talked about doing things for years from a golf tournament standpoint. We've talked about as a group or as a, a men's group just having a, a golf tournament for ourselves, and that's – when it's all said and done, uh, that's not what the crew does. We, we really want to raise money and support our local teachers. So, man, we're, we're setting pretty high goals. We'll talk about more about those goals uh, later on. But we hope to raise uh, uh, enough money to uh, – 
I mean, it'd be pretty awesome if we could fund every single grant. Not saying we can, but it'd be pretty awesome if we can. And we want to challenge, uh, Derek and I definitely want to challenge the Hernando community. Only going to be 20 teams. Put your team together. Get involved. There's going to be multiple ways to uh, chip in, uh, raise more money. Uh, we've never done this before. Again, this is our inaugural uh, event. And we hope it's something that's special to Hernando every summer. And you look forward to it. But you also look forward to raising tens of thousands of dollars, hopefully, for Hernando teachers. Yeah, well, we'll have whole sponsors. We'll have tent sponsors. There'll be a lot of ways that you can give. And again, Every dime of it is going to every Hernando dime. teachers. So we're not, this is not for any of our operating costs. This is not for anything. Every dime of it is going to Hernando teachers. So whenever you're given, you're given to a Hernando teacher. Absolutely right. And, and Derek, you know, they mentioned something last night at the meeting about me emceeing the thing. I usually charge $1,000 for an MC appearance. I'm going to go nine ninety nine. I'm, I'm going to give it away for nine ninety nine. That, that's so generous of you. Exactly. I you said every dime. So that's an extra dollar. You. Every dollar I goes to Hernando I can't tell you how generous <laughs> that is of you. Look, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely, uh, you know, pay attention to it. We will talk about it a ton over the next seven to eight weeks. Really looking forward to, to that opportunity, especially to help Hernando teachers. Every single person who listens to our show knows how important teachers are, knows how important teachers are to me and Derek. So we're excited to be a part of it, and hopefully we can be part of the growth. And let's see if we can raise ten, fifteen, maybe even $20,000. I'd like to have some commas in that, in that, that number yeah, if we can raise. That'd be pretty awesome. But look, something that did take the week off, but it is back this weekend. If you're listening to our show on Friday, Friday. Uh, it is back this weekend, and that is the Hernando Farmers Market. Hernando Farmers Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agricultural traditions of the Mid South. It's a place to shop, it's a place to gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh local experience. If you need any more information about the Hernando Farmers Market, you can contact Gia Matheny, the Community Development Director, at 662-449-9092. Again, that's 662-449-9092. The Hernando Farmers Market takes place every Saturday morning from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the historic Hernando Square. Bring your friends, bring your family, get out, learn all about the Hernando Farmers Market each and every Saturday, and it will be back this Saturday. Thank you to the Hernando Farmers Market for believing in the the UTW podcast. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and call them at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. They are the dentist of the UTW podcast, and they should be your dentist. Derek, before we move on to our next advertiser, I want to mention and give a quick shout-out to Drs. Trotter, Paroli, and Seymour. Uh, two banners hanging outside of the uh, office, the beautiful antebellum office there on Mount Pleasant. One says, congratulations, graduates. says, congrats, graduates. And then the other one, brand new, got put out yesterday. Congratulations, Hernando Lady Tiger Softball, mm -hmm. 6A state champ. So, so thank you to Dr. Trotter, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Seymour for supporting the local kids, supporting the local uh, athletes. And uh, thank you for giving a shout-out to those young ladies. We'll talk more about that them in just one second. And Dr. Trotter, also the current president of the crew of Hernando. That's, that's exactly right, Derek. Doing a great job, Bryant. Thanks so much for, for serving the community. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. That's 662-892-8419. Or you can visit their website at greenkingspray.com. That's greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. 
Before we turn our attention to sports, kind of a high school uh, section that we usually do to finish off our show, let's talk briefly. I saw numerous Instagram videos, uh, all the excitement. I saw a, a video of them tossing their caps in the air. The Hernando High School graduation last night at the Lander Center. Congratulations to all the 2021 seniors that reside right here under the water tower. It is a special, special class, and we want to say congratulations from our podcast uh, to you. But – you have information about all the rest of the graduations. Give us the dates and times. All right, so as you mentioned, Hernando was last night uh, at 7 p.m. And for those of y'all uh, that are in Hernando, if you do not follow Dwayne Case on Twitter, uh, Dwayne Case, who, of course, is the principal of Hernando High School, go follow his Twitter account if you yeah. want to see anything that happened last night. He did a wonderful job there tweeting from there. Uh, he captured a lot of the videos that you mentioned uh, is on his Twitter account. So please go on there, you know, just follow him, and then kind of scroll back down and see everything he posted from last night. Just looked like a wonderful night. Uh, it was a beautiful night, even though they're inside, but just a great night, and just congratulations to that class. D-U-A-N-E. D-U-A-N-E Case. C-A-S-E. So just Google Dwayne Case Twitter. It pulls right up. Click on that. You can look at things with or without following him, but yeah, definitely want to follow him. Let's see if we can get his follows up uh, because he gives some, such great information. Well, and just good coverage from last exactly night. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, all right. The other ones that the we cover uh, that will be happening, again, there's uh, eight public high schools. Uh, they're happening basically – there's uh, three on Saturday, and the rest are happening Thursday, uh, last night through next Tuesday. So the next one that we cover will be Lake Cormorant. will be Saturday, May 22nd at 3 p.m., so tomorrow at 3 p.m. DeSoto Central – will be Sunday, May 23rd at 3 p.m. And then finally, the last high school to graduate, I guess this year, will be in Lewisburg, Tuesday, May 25th at 7 p.m. All of these at the Lander Center in South Haven. And all of these, congratulations to all the uh, the young people as they move on uh, past high school. It is a wonderful milestone. Um, definitely something that you know Coach Whitten and different people talked about the other day during our interview we're about to mention. Uh, congratulations to all the 2021 seniors. Uh, good luck with your future. Good luck in your next endeavors, whether it be college, whether it be the workforce, whether it be just, just your future. We, we definitely love young people here at the UTW Podcast, and we, we wish you nothing but the best and great success moving forward. Well, Derek, speaking of great success, how uh, had an opportunity to sit down with the 6A Lady Tigers uh, this past Tuesday. Aired the show on Wednesday, and Derek, I tell you, it was absolutely overwhelming last night. Multiple members of the crew of Fernando, multiple people have reached out, Facebook, email, letting us know, hey, thank you for supporting these girls. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed the interview. It was a pleasure to do to sit down in a classroom. Derek, it's not every day you get to sit down in a, in a classroom and, and visit with young people. Uh, Derek, some, some different things that people said to me, uh, that things that I've, th- I've recently thought of, uh, just, you know, it made people think of their, their high school days yeah. and, and friends that they had. Uh, you know, the, the seniors that sat down with us, uh, Jacqueline, Emmy, and Macy uh, sat down with us. Uh, you know, the fact that Jacqueline and, and Emmy are best friends and had to, got to sp- share that special moment was, was, was really good. Um, something I mentioned last night to a, a gentleman, we visited a little bit about it. Uh, he and I have both uh, lost our dads in the last, uh, you know, four to, four to six years. And I was talking to him about the uh, desire to just be able to hear my dad's voice again. And you know, it's it's something that is now recorded. If if you have friends or if you want to ever go back and listen to those things or if you ever think back, whether it be five months from now, five years from now, whatever, and you want to uh, listen to your coach, Nikki Whitten, and you want to talk to her or you want to hear her voice, you can click on our show. And that's something I took for granted, something I didn't even realize really uh, until yesterday, uh, just the special things. So you can listen to your friends' voices uh, for years to come. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just awesome. It's great to be a part of it. No, it was a great interview, and I, you know, I had to help kind of edit it. Uh, I had to put it out, and when I did, I listened to the whole thing. It was a great interview, did a great job, and I think this will be something, as you said, something they can share. And look, we hope to have multiple championships from multiple Absolutely. schools that we cover. Would love to do this every time, uh, but just a, a great start. It's going to be a great summer for those girls. Uh, something to remember, and then you know, as they're going through the good grind next year. The ones that are playing next year can pull it back up next year and listen again just to kind of remind themselves, you know, of what it means to, to get to that point. So, uh, yeah, just a great job all. Right. And, again, the upperclassmen giving the words of advice to the underclassmen, the underclassmen speaking of how much they uh, like the seniors, what they meant to her. I mean, the fact that one, one young lady said, that's who I want to be in two years. 
I mean, that's, that's touching, you know, that's just really, really touching. And that's uh, that's awesome that they, they, you know, you don't realize how you can influence people. So, and I will say this, and I thought about this yesterday, if you're listening to our show and you think to yourself, man, I may, maybe I should work with our youth group at church. Maybe there's more I could do to pour into young people. Maybe there's a way for me to mentor, whether it be tutoring, whether it be through my church, whether it be through a program, whether it be the crew of Fernando, I don't care. If you've ever thought to yourself, Hey, how can I pour into, or should I be pouring into young people? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. If you want to volunteer at church, if you've ever talked to a youth pastor, if you've ever thought about giving to younger people, now's the time to do it. Get involved, help young people out, be a mentor. You know, Derek, I, I was very uh, convicted yesterday. I was thinking, to, you know, a lot of times people, society, they, they, you know, we want to sit there and complain about the younger generation. We want to complain about the kids in middle school and high school and college and all these different things. Look, if we're not helping them through life and we're not helping them and, and believing in them, uh, then what right do we have to question their, their future? So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just going to say that just a little bit of rant right there, but get involved with today's youth in some way, shape or form. If you think you can be a mentor, if you think you have something you can share with young people, get out there and do it and quit thinking, uh, just thinking about it. Get out there and do it. I agree. <laughs> Speaking of positive news for young people, let's talk about two young people that are moving on to college, getting their college paid for and going to continue their, their, the sport they love. What, what you got? All right, we have two signings this week, um, both for basketball. The first is Victoria Walton from Hernando. She signed a presidential scholarship with Fisk University. That's an NAIA school in Nashville and will be playing basketball for the school. She was a big part of the team that went 22-6 and six this year uh, and 6-0 and in conference before losing to eventual state champion Olive Branch in the second round. So congratulations to Victoria, and good luck next year on the court. Uh, the second signing uh, is Eli Lamb for Lewisburg. He is actually committed this week and signing at 1 p.m. today uh, at the school to play basketball at Southwest Community College in Memphis next year. So, again, congratulations to Eli. Good luck uh, to you next year on the court. And, you know, again, both of y'all being able to go to college at least the first couple of years uh, in, in uh, Eli's case for free you know, to continue the education and especially congratulations for Victoria for not only signing, you know, to play basketball, but actually signing for the presidential scholarship. So, again, uh, congratulations to both these young people and uh, good luck in the future. Absolutely, Derek. Anytime someone here under the water tower can get their college paid for, uh, get that opportunity to uh, spread their wings and move on to college, we're definitely going to shine a light on it. So congratulations, Victoria. Congratulations, Eli. Good luck to you in the future. But we're going to turn our attention to the only team left, the only DeSoto County team left playing sports. Derek, today is a big day in South Haven right there off of Get Well. Game three, which you're going to update us on the first two games, but game three, we were hoping that the Trojans could do it in two. It was not to be. No. Game three will be taking place today. Let's have a huge crowd right there off of Getwell. Tell us about the Trojan baseball team fighting for their playoff lives. All right, so last night there was uh, – actually started yesterday afternoon. Uh, this is the best of, best of three. This is unique, again, to Tennessee. This is not only sub-state, which then feeds into a Final Four World Series type uh, tournament that for the winner of each of the uh, sub-state series, but all the higher seed gets to host all three games. So there is no traveling. The, the, the lower seed travels and just stays there. So uh, Knoxville Webb came to South Haven last night to play the Trojans in a three-game series. In the first game, the Trojans got up five to nothing, five to nothing after three innings, and then commenced to giving up nine runs the rest of the game. So, again, it was 5 nothing heading into the fourth. The top of the fourth, Webb scores three runs. Uh, they then score three in the fifth, one in the sixth, and two in the seventh. Uh, unfortunately, North Point can only muster one more run in the bottom of the seventh to lose nine to six. Uh, Anthony Zarlingo was two for four. James Smith was one for three with a homer. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, then, excuse me, Jackson Thomason was also two for three with two RBIs, but just not enough as kind of, you know, I think there was a lot of walks. There were uh, a couple of uh, uh, untimely errors uh, that happened. I think there were two balks. So just stuff like that just really cost the team. Uh, again, this was a, a start, game started at 4 p.m. And so unfortunately for the Trojans, they now, you know, down in a 0-1 hole, had to fight for the second game. The second game started about uh, 7.30. Uh, then the second game, North Point came out on fire. Um, this is a uh, – they kind of like they did the first game, um, but this time they were able to hold on. Uh, the final score was 11-4, to 11-4 by the Trojans. The winning pitcher was Owen Staples. Uh, Anthony Zerlingo, again, also he went 2-4 for four again, this time with an RBI. Nick House was 1-3 for three with three RBIs. Uh, Rob Hayes was 3-4, for four, and Jackson Thomason again. Two for three with three RBI. So this this is basically Rob Hayes, Jackson Thomason, eight nine batters in the lineup, going five for seven with three RBI. So just again the bottom of the lineup stepping up, giving the Trojans the eleven four victory. 
forcing the deciding game three at 2 p.m. today. Again, if you can hear my voice, whether you go to North Point or not, if you're a baseball fan, especially if you've already graduated or you're done with school waiting for your graduation, if there's nothing better to do. It's going to be a beautiful day, low 80s, 2 p.m. Come to, come to the Trojan field. Come to the point. Cheer on the Trojans. This is a team from Knoxville. It's traveled six and a half hours. Would love to send them home with a loss uh, and uh, send the Trojans to the Final Four World Series happening next weekend. So, again, good luck to the Trojans, and uh, let's hope that they're still playing and we're reporting on them next week. Good luck to the Soto County young people. I mean, that's, that's what we're that's celebrating it. for the last four to six weeks. Good luck to these young people today. Come on, man. <laughs> you go up 5 nothing. Keep your foot on it. Look errors, walks, balks, all those different things. Hey, the better team was wearing the big N on their chest. Let's get this done. Let's win the game. Let's go on to the four, the, the final four uh, there in Murfreesboro. Uh, the better team is North Point. And, and, you know, good luck to these young people. Uh, obviously, our show won't be out very long for them to hear that or whatever. But, look, if you hear our voice and it's before 2 o'clock on Friday, get out to the point off of Get Well in South Haven to support these young people. And, Matt, look, it's, it's a, you know, kind of a dream scenario. I won't kind of talk about this. The pitcher today is Garrett Waller. He's a senior. Uh, so Garrett Waller going out. Now, Owen Staples last night, he won his uh, game uh, as a senior. So Garrett Waller going out there as a senior. You want your senior on the mound. He's a left-handed jump ball pitcher. So you want the experience on the mound. He's going to give – he's going to give – I know he's going to give the Trojans his best game. It's just a matter of the, the guys behind him. You know, just play good defense and hit like you're capable of hitting – and the results already known, but you, but they got to go out there and perform. Well, Knoxville Webb had to had to travel. They've been in a hotel for a couple of days. Uh, let's just get this done. Two o'clock. Get out there, support the Trojans. The last DeSoto County team fighting for playoff, fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, good luck to you guys today. We'll be pulling for you from the UTW podcast. Well, if you enjoy our talk about young people, our talk about high school sports, and those different things, or the DeSoto County shoutouts, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. If you enjoy our show, share it. Share it with friends, family, Hernando Happenings, Facebook, anything you can think of. Share our show. That way we can continue to climb up the ranks with the podcast. Give us a five-star review. That's a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you can hear our voice, give us a five-star review. That helps us tremendously. If you have interest in the eastern side of, of DeSoto County, if you have interest in Olive Branch, Lewisburg, and Center Hill, find our brother podcast, OB Pod. That's OB Pod. They release a show really early on Monday mornings. Be sure and find OB Pod anywhere you listen to your podcast. Well, Derek, enjoy the weather. Enjoy the game today. Enjoy everything that we have to, that we should take pride in here in DeSoto County. As we do every Friday, take your family to church. All churches are going to be opened up. Look for service times. Look for different things. Take your family to church this weekend. I assure you, you will not regret it. Well, Derek, if that's it, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. <laughs>